have not downloaded the wrong show. This is still about that. And I'm Marga Ortigas in the studio with Asian rocker Tirso Ripoll from the iconic Philippine band Razorback. They burst onto the music scene in the early 90s and haven't really stopped rocking since. Tirso is now in his mid-40s. Aging like a fine wino. There you go. <laughs> Just like uh, Steven Tyler, the guys of Kiss, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Keith Richards. Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. Is that who you'd say you're patterning your life after? If I I want to be Keith Richards when I grow up. Really? Yes. Why? What is it about Keith Richards that you? Well, it's, look at him. He's indestructible. I mean, he's 77. Oh, yeah, that's he's true. He's 77 about... and he's still, they're still on tour. And he can still put out a, an amazing album. He's still a great musician up to today. He's hilarious. You know, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> what got you interested in that kind of uh, music and lifestyle? You say the rock and roll, the, the rock uh, and lifestyle. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, you. I grew up. I was. I. I was listening to this stuff since I was a kid. Look, I had. I had the Kiss lunchbox. You know, in grade five. So I grew up. My, this is my elder brother's influence because he would play this stuff in the car. You know, my uncle also would have have a, a lot of this stuff playing and. So I just grew up with it, and then eventually I just started listening to it on my own, and then you start buying your own records. But in the beginning, when I was a kid, it was Kiss, Pink Floyd, you know, The Stones, all of that. And that's when I was, that's basically on my way to school in the car. That's what we would be playing in the mornings and on, on the way home. And then eventually I, I met Miguel Ortigas as, you know, your cousin, and uh, then we got into, like, the metal, man. And that's when Black Sabbath and... Ozzy and like Iron Maiden and all that stuff started happening. And then we eventually formed Razorback together. And um, at, I, I know at some point we looked at each other and we're like, we got to get a band together, man. Let's, let's form a band. And that, that was basically how we started. How old were you at that time? Uh, I don't know, 13, 14. We didn't start the band then, but we, we, we should. We, That's, <laughs> we need to do this at some point. What was it about the music that you liked? I mean, it's not ah, the easiest to of music to get into for well, many people. I don't people. know. I mean, it's the Stones. You know, every, yeah. Those guys are hugely popular. Every band. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, um, it was nuts. It was wild. It's like, dude, it's, it's just, you know, it's blowing my mind, you yeah. know. And it's, I guess it's, it's dangerous. It, it feels dangerous. And you're like, I like that. You know, that's, that's, right. that was cool. And I, I, I want to say it was that. And, you know, for me, it was weird because nobody liked heavy metal when I was in school. So I was like the only kid in, in I was in San Agustin in the 80s. So it's like a Catholic school. Oh, yeah. You know, Private yeah. Catholic school, you know, uh, co-ed. So, but I was like the only guy in my entire year level that liked Iron Maiden or Black Sabbath or anything. And everyone was like, dude, you're going to go to hell. And this is at the height of the... Heavy metal is the devil's right, music, right, and everyone right. was like, "You're gonna go, you're gonna burn in hell." I'm like, "I don't give a rat's ass," you know. But maybe it was that also because you're like, well, you know, you you have this weird like, I'm I'm I've got my own thing, and I'm not like everybody else. Maybe, and then we and then everybody who liked the same music sort of gravitated together. But I remember it was it was a little difficult because you're like the only guy that likes it, and then you're being persecuted. For it, because this is the time, like I said, when all of that stuff was happening. It was a weird, it was a weird time, but we were did not, that not add, deterred. Did that add to the appeal? You know, the I, whole I rebel. It did, it did after a while. You know, I'm pretty sure we're like, yeah, and you know, you're able to stick your finger out at everybody's like up yours. You know, come on. And then when did the the actual band come together? Um, pretty late, because I think. 
Well, technically around the 90s, like 1990s, our official sort of birth date, which we use as our to mark because we're 27 years this year. Wow. Yeah. October 1990s, our, and had Halloween. Hey, you're headed towards the stone trajectory know, there. Right? You're, you're getting that's why, it. That's why I look up to them so much. <laughs> if they can do it, yeah, you exactly. know, we, it can be done. But um, I'm going to say around there in the 90s, I was midway through college and... At some point, this this I remember, Migs and I would go out, we were starting to go out more often watch and watch bands. And we're like, dude, we don't like anybody. <laughs> There's only a couple of, and, and then we found bands that we liked, but there were very few. I mean, it was like Coco Jam, you know, um, we'd see Pepe Smith a couple of times and we're like, okay, this is stuff is good, but they, don't, they weren't really playing. And a lot of the guys our age were playing, we're not, we didn't like anybody. So we're like, we need to make a band because nobody's doing it right. <laughs> so we're going to do it. At least not the rock and roll that we wanted. Because the guys were doing it, like June Lupito, Pepe Smith, you know, these were the older guys. And they were, you know, they were, what, 20 years older than we were? And so, you know, these guys from the, the guys from the 70s, is Juan de la Cruz, and who were huge influences on us. I think that that's really important. At some point, we had stumbled on these records, this, like, we played the crap out of this record. We just played it over and over. It's like all our favorite songs. Right. Half our set list is on this album, you know, all of these yeah. songs we would do. And so we were heavily influenced by a lot of these, these um, like, Sampaguita, you know, you know uh, Anak Bayan, Edmund Fortuno, and all of that. And we would just listen to it. Because, we, you know, Migs and I, we loved music. We listened to it a lot. And that's we would sit around and listen to these great records. They had a, an ama- he had an amazing record collection and, you know... Um, and then we would get out to meet these guys when we were older and we were able to go out and watch them. And then we wanted, then we we're like, I, we need to do this. We need to do that because nobody's doing it. And they're not, they're, they were kind of older and, you know, we can do this. No, and you, that's, yeah. Razor, that was sort of the start. Razorback was definitely unique in the Philippine music scene at that point. Yeah. And it, it created a wave of yeah. uh, very different type of musicians. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll say because the whole Pinoy rock thing was, at the time we, we came out at like in the, you know, we started out obviously doing covers because it takes a while, you know, and like and then it took a while for us to get signed because, you know, a bunch of white guys playing Juan de la Cruz was just freaking everybody out. So they didn't know what to do with us, you know, but it worked and a lot of people got, got off on it. Eventually, we, that's how it happened. So in 95, we finally released our first album. But, you know, the race threats had co- were coming out at the time. Right. Of course, the, you had the Dawn in the 80s. Right. Who, and, you know, Intro Voice and those guys. And, and um, But entering the 90s, pretty much it was the E-Heads. And you had Yano, the youth. All these guys had gone before us. And then, well, so it took a while for us to get out. But we were the only guys doing, like, our kind of thing, which is sort of blues-based, you know, a lot of old 70s-style rock and roll, which... May or may not have been, uh, I don't. I, I couldn't tell you the popularity of it around, you know, like the whole 70s. There wasn't much of a 70s revival, I'm going to say. Because did, you did a lot of live gigs, if I remember. Yeah, right. we always played. I played a lot. We still do. You have to, yeah. you know. That's um, and not, Especially now around the world, it's like the music industry is turned on its head and everybody must play live. Because back know? then, you were still, were you in, in college at the same time? Had you quit school for mm, this? No, no, no. When we started in 1990, I had two years of college to, to go. And you, know, you basically start and it was just sort of just figuring stuff right. out. and just, So it, it was okay. I w- it was, <laughs> wasn't anywhere near the point that I could, you know. Uh, stop. But then, you know, after a while, you, when we got our, so I graduated, you know, BS uh, ECE. So what's that? What's electronics ECE? engineering? Oh, so, yeah, okay. It was nothing to, you know, that's pretty tough. Yes. So eventually, um, you got to a point that we released the first album, and, and then and then it started to happen. Like that that whole wave you spoke about, that really happened, and 
And then you were playing a lot. Like we were playing like four or five nights a week, you know. And we were making good money. I mean, I had too much money. I didn't know how much money I had. Right. You know, right, all right, they knew right. was just money yeah. there, you know. And, yeah, yeah. But we were too busy. We were playing a lot and it was great. So that, I didn't, luckily I didn't have to quit school to do it. I, a lot of guys I know did, but right. I didn't have to. So I was, that was fortunate. What was your plan after that? I mean, your career then kicked off. Eventually, you, you guys got a professional record deal. Yeah, that all happened. Yeah. Then this is back when it was still CDs, cassettes. <laughs> See, <laughs> you know, back when you could still actually touch oh, where the music God, came yeah, from, right? And I not know. something online. Yeah, the internet didn't even exist, you know. That's true. Cell, cell phones didn't even exist. Did you have a plan back then for. Yeah. What? You know, you know what's funny? Our first plan. Okay, this is like before 90, when we were just like in Miguel's room, like just jamming. We got to get good, and then we got to go to Olongapo, because that's where all these guys were hanging out. Like, they were all playing, because the scene in Olongapo was like super vibrant, because this was the, the U.S. bases were still here, remember? Right. Just before they got kicked out. Oh, it was this was that long ago. That was around early yeah, 90s. This is that's like right, early 89, 90s. 88, 89. You know, this is yeah. when we really... When, so the U.S. military uh, bases were still in the Philippines. They were still here. So yeah. this is when Migs bought a drum set. I picked up a guitar. You know, we were like around that time. Did you teach yourself how to play guitar? Pretty much. My brother, my brother, I have to credit him a lot. Right. My elder brother uh, really showed me my first few chords. But I, I picked it up from there. And um, our plan was... We're going to go, we're going to play in, in Olongapo, man. There's like there's a, like tons of bars. It's going to be great. We're just going to live up there. It's going to be awesome. And then Pinatubo happened. Volcano. Like, oh, shit. Volcano erupted <laughs> yeah. and kicked out the Americans, yeah, right. basically. No, and then wiped out the entire Olongapo. So we're true. like, oh, crap. Yeah. Well, so we, we found another. There was, there was a place that we used to go to, Calle, which, had, which served really cheap drinks and had a really good band. And we would watch them and they'd play some good rock and roll. This is Ricky Kui and uh, Miyagi, who was, used to play with Sampaguita, and so it was great to watch them. And um, so they would let us jam every now and again. And so then we ended up, at some point, they got, they got removed from the bar, and they, the bar guys asked us if we wanted to take it over. That was effectively our first gig. And Because um, we used to go, it was funny. And this is a lesson, I guess, to anybody who's in a band. If you go to a club, bring all your friends and make sure they drink a lot. Then the club's going to want you back. All the time. Doesn't even matter how you play. Right, like they, they don't even. The bars don't care. As long as yeah. they can sell the booze, they don't care what's happening. So, and you know, Isabel Lozano was our singer, right? So just beautiful. And then so they're like, Oh, that's true, because you did go through several singers. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah, Isabel yeah. before. We, and so like they, of course, they're like, come over and jam. And I'm just like looking at these guys, like you guys are, you know. Anyway, but <laughs> they would let us jam, and all our friends would come, and they would all of us would drink. And so when when that band, uh, I guess, left the bar, the bar called Miguel and go, hey, you guys want to come in? You know, you guys want to come and fill the spot? And I'll never forget, I was in Miguel's house and he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. And I looked at him like, what are you doing? We know like four songs. And he's like, don't worry about it. We're playing on Saturday three hours. I'm like, are you insane? And he's like, don't worry about it. We'll start practicing now. I'm like, oh, my God. So we learned. We like busted our asses and we learned like, I don't know, like 20 songs and we played Saturday but we, we totally sucked but we had a lot of friends we, we brought all our friends and they drank so they asked us back the next week and the week after that and we, and then but you know we kept practicing we kept learning new, new stuff and at some point your friends stop coming and then other people you don't know start coming <laughs> and then eventually you look around and you know one day we looked up and we're like dude I don't know anybody here yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess that's all right. Yeah. And I think that's when you realize, oh, okay, I think we got something going on here, and we were making money too, and you know stuff, so it was good. Yeah. 
Wow, that's great. So after, how long did you did it take between starting out and then getting your your record deal? Oh, that's about five years. You know, 1990 to about 90, 94, 95 was when we. Okay. Well, 95, our album came out. So I'm gonna say about four years. You know. At any point in that time, did you think, uh, you know, I'm gonna stop doing this? No. I'm gonna no. get a regular job. No. Never. I don't think. I think all of us. Um, all of us knew, you know, like I certainly did, you know. Like I was listening to your, your podcast the other day, the one with the therapist, and she's talking about how people find themselves lost and not, you know. Yeah. I was never lost. This is, a, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And this is exactly what I wanted to do. And so like, yeah, we're going to do it, man, whatever. Record deal, I don't need no stinking record deal, whatever, man. Sure, whatever, you know, we'll do it. And uh, we turned down a couple of guys, who, you know, because they would try to shaft you all the time. Right, and right, then, um, right. But we ended up with some nice guys and, um, you know, we got signed eventually, but it took a while. But um, I think one of the things we always did was you got to live it on your own terms. And we were very adamant about that. We're like, look, we're not going to, because they're all like, oh, you got to do a love song. I'm like, you know, and Migs yeah, yeah. the, the best. He's, Migs is the best of at meetings. I don't know bleeping the bleeping the love song yeah. <laughs> in some effing way, you know? And we would do stuff like that, and we would get, you know. But, you know, I think if you, in retrospect, this is probably, the, you know, it's what, it's what you're going to do. It's your life, right? And how did you, okay, because you went from that and you carried on. It, it then uh, did not occupy your professional life all that much anymore after a few years right yeah, you well, moved on to other things yes well what happened was okay so you start out and you know you're in your 20s it's that's a you know it's great it's a wonderful time and you're playing every night because you have to play i mean here around the world they're learning that now but it's always been this way in the Philippines where you don't make money on the sales of your records your records is basically if you have a record it funds your shows you play a lot and you make your money playing and we played a lot, a lot. We played, you know, four or five nights a week, sometimes two, three times a night, you know, one gig to the next. We just do it. It was great. I mean, you're indestructible. Yeah, you're 20, yeah. 25, you know, 26. And then we started recording our next albums and all that because, you know, the record companies were cool. They, they, knew, they knew enough to leave us alone, you know, as long as we gave them the singles that they wanted yeah. or we came up with something good. And um, so we did that for a while. That was from like, I'm going to say from like 95 Till right through about 2000, about 2000, 99, 2000. So that was like, for that whole period, we were just like, that's all we did. And it was great. But then around 99, you know, I, you know, so I started, that's when I sort of got married and stuff. And <laughs> you sort of got married. Sorry. <laughs> well, sort of, sorry. <laughs> that's when I got married. And, right. um, and at th then things became a little different. But at that point, also we had re we I think we went through a thing where you you know we took a little break because we had been doing this pretty pretty rough for about four years, five years, and we're like, okay, let's just relax and concentrate on those other parts of our lives that we've been have neglected for a while. You know, like like our you know just stuff like you know we, we had all this money, but I didn't know what to do. I had nothing. You know, right. I didn't know what to do. And so, anyways, I, I I got married, and then that's when I quickly realized, well, you know, when you're alone. You can do that <laughs> when you're when you're when you have a family. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. It's a little bills are get a little bigger, and I should get move forward. Bills get a little bigger, so you know. And then, so I decided, you know, to to work for the family because we have the, the the cigar business. And I said, and we needed some help doing that. And I said, uh, you know, I think this is something I can do. And we were doing that break anyways. So I went in there and we started, you know, started working, you know, do helping out and all of that. Not that, that sort of carried on and then everybody pretty much at the time went through 
the same thing where it's like, dude, you know, we don't really have to play five nights a week. It doesn't make sense. We can just, you know, um, keep it for the weekends and stuff. And that's basically what we've been doing for the last how many years. It's like, you know, you play on the weekends and stuff and um, money's still good, but yeah. you don't have to, you know, at some point it becomes, there's a period in the in the, in the noughties, you know, in the early, you know, from uh, 2000 to like 2007 or whatever. Um, you could play during the week, but it's but it's hard. After all, it's hard at you know to get up at four. A, you know, get, go right. get home at three a.m. Right. Get up at seven. I mean, there's just no way it, it becomes really. It, in your twenties, you can do that. Now you now later on you couldn't. So then you know, um, then we would keep it like just for the weekends and stuff like that, which is what we do now, and that that's been its way for a long time, and it's it's worked out. It allows everybody to do their own their their things on the side and everything. So you've managed to basically juggle like a uh, less rock profession with, oh, yeah. you know, your passion, which is playing music. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, ideally, if what we were doing paid all the bills, then I wouldn't have to worry about, then, you know, like if you like, I wouldn't need to do whatever. I would do this all the time. But, you know, it's in here in, in, in the Philippines to, to get there, you need to make a lot of compromises. And we were not. We've never been willing to do that. Like, I'm not going to comp. This is what I do, you know. And there's no way I'm going to, like, compromise the, the music or anything to make a buck because then that just sort of defeats the purpose. I mean, right. I think the biggest nightmare I could ever have was, you know, to, to be playing, to play stuff you don't like. I mean, imagine, I, I, I couldn't imagine being, like, hugely successful but I hated every song we played. That would be a nightmare. You know what I mean? I so mean, you've I, been able to do this basically all on your terms, all the yes, terms that you guys... everything is, yeah, always. You have to, I mean, we've done it. Uh, sometimes that's not the right, most wise decision to do, and it hurt us, but, you know, you have to, I think. you got to live it on your own terms, or else there's no point. Yeah. And so we've always done that, you know, and... Um, yeah, so, I mean, and you know, you're, you're able to manage. It's just like, you got to be careful, like... Especially now, like what am I, forty six? It's harder. You can't, you know, you can't go out. It hurts more the next day. <laughs> exactly. Recovery time's a little harder. And how old are your kids now? Because you've got three kids. Yes, fifteen. My son Daniel's fifteen. My daughter Max is uh, uh, eleven, and then my son Adrian is uh, seven. How has everything you've been through shaped uh, how you are as a father to these pretty much teenagers and a preteen? Oh yeah. Um, well. You don't let them out of the house. Not just no, kidding. yeah. No. You know, I called up Good Shepherd Convent to see if I get my daughter. <laughs> no, because I know. I mean, one thing you have to know about the rock and roll scene, everything you hear is true. Right. Absolutely everything you hear is true. And if you stay there long enough, you, you'll, you'll have to be, you'll be faced, you'll be in a situation where you have to make choices. And you can either do a, make a very bad one or a very good, or, or, or one that you've just avoided a very bad situation. And I've been through that many, 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 you know, obviously I've, I've been deep in it. So I, I know, you know, I have to go through that. So maybe as a parent, I know, you know, so I'm like, don't, you know, you can't, don't bullshit a bullshitter, man. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't, don't, you can't pull one over me. So I know, I, I know what's going on. And so I can, you know, I can give some good advice in terms of navigating your way through this part of, of your thing. Um Teens, well, I wasn't, a, you know, being a teen, whatever, that's that's just tricky. But I think I'm a little more patient, a little more understanding. I am, you know, because you, you meet a lot of people and you understand people are different. And some people have just weird, some people are just strange. Some people just have weird mental issues. 
So <laughs> you learn to be patient and you learn to understand that people are the way they are. And if somebody likes something a certain way, then hey, that's all right. Yeah. So I think that's what's helped me. Then so you sort of I guess you broadened my my mind. I don't know. And how do the kids feel about you know daddy being a rock oh, star? Oh yeah, that's it's cool. They think it's cool. You know, yeah. they when they see it on TV and stuff, you know, it, it's fun. And I, I, are, are any of them getting into this kind of music? Well, well yeah. I mean, Eddie loves it. He loves Iron Maiden. Like oh, really? I play because we play. I got this Iron Maiden game. There's a game, and we're playing it. And he saw me playing it, and he's like, "What's that?" And then so I got it for his iPad. I, I re- really shouldn't, you know. <laughs> but he loves the music. It's like I love it. So he makes me play it in the car all the time and stuff. So it's it's you know, there's that. Max is playing piano as is Eddie, you know. So okay. yeah. And your wife? Any any. Uh advice that she might be giving you in terms of oh maybe you can retire soon no i think no. no i mean you know i think um i think she knows it's like if she, if, she, if i did that i would be miserable and then she would be miserable <laughs> because i'd make her miserable I'd, I'd make everybody around me miserable i'd be a complete wreck so i have to do this you know i i, I would tell everybody you know it's um this this stuff used to make us totally nuts now it keeps me totally sane. You know, without this, I would be, I would be an awful, awful, awful person. I know. So she, and I think she knows that. So it's like, go. Yeah. You need to. Yeah. You need to do this. <laughs> do you consider yourself lucky that you've been able to maintain? Yes, definitely. I mean, look, I'm lucky to be with the same guys. You know, more or less, and. Um, it's great. It's great to play with the, with these guys. I couldn't think of a better bunch of guys to play with. It's it's really nice after twenty seven years. You know, I've been I've been with these guys longer than I've been married. You know, so you know, yeah. Um, we know each other very well on a musical level. It's amazing because it's like the community. You know, it's like you can do things that are you know, yeah. you really just couldn't do with anybody else. This is just because you've been. There's things you learn at 4 a.m. in Merix that you don't learn anywhere else, man. You know, stuff like that. And when you're together in these situations. And um, so I am very lucky to be still with, with, with the same bunch of guys. If I wasn't with them, I'd, I mean, I'd still be making music. I don't know how, you know, I'm sure I, I could, that, that wouldn't be a problem. But I don't know if I would be as happy because these guys are, you know, the Razorback guys are wonderful. And I love these guys, you know, so it's great. It's great. I'm very, very fortunate. So Has I your writing that. changed over the oh, years? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, yeah, I mean, everything's changed. You get, we, we you, you mature, you, and you do, and it's, and that always comes out, musically and lyrically and all of that, you have to. And, um, and we get better, you know, from the first album, we weren't very, I wasn't very good at, at as, as, um, as I am now, I'm much better now, and so I'm able to do things now that I wasn't able to do, to do then. Um... So yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. I mean, uh, lyr- <laughs> you know, lyrically, but um, yeah, Major, you mature also. You stop being a little, you know, little lecherous, <laughs> not so, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you know the younger, okay. I know, yeah. like very rock and very rock and roll, and um, but yeah, I think you have to evolve, and I think if you don't evolve, you die. And so this is also us. Like I never want to be one of these. Legacy acts, as they call them, it's basically just keep playing your hits. That's all you do, and that's right. you just go out there and play that. That that's like right. death. I don't want to do that. You know, even if even if you're only playing your own songs, yeah. but still, you know, I want to. You know, you have to write new material. We're, we're working on new material now. We're always working on, trying, yeah. on new material. You know, just 
just harder to get together because everyone's got stuff to do. <laughs> Are the topics of your songs, uh, have, how have those evolved? Like as a guy uh, writing now yeah. in his 40s, I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is still, we, we try not to get like really weird and political and stuff. Yeah. Only because, I don't know. I think it's a way to escape from all of that, you know. And at least the stuff like I will write, I mean, I'll write about just um, a lot of what, what, what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. So like, you know. If I'm feeling a bit off, if I'm feeling, you know, madly in love at the time, then I'll write something along that line or whatever. Have you, you noticed know? that your audiences have evolved too, right? You're getting... Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's nice to have a... You know, we have still, have a, still have a nice cross-section, but what I love is when we started out, you'd have these five kids. They'd come, they'd sit at the table, they'd order one red horse, and they'd all share it, right? Now, those five guys have a bottle of scotch a piece. Right. Because they have jobs, they have money, and they still come and watch. So the bars love us now more than ever because <laughs> they're drinking the good stuff. All now. the uncles are coming in. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Titos of Manila be yeah. coming over, drinking the good stuff. <laughs> Bar loves it, you know. But we get a lot of young guys who come too, which is which is really encouraging, you know, and it's it's nice. So And it's a, is it important for you guys to kind of still reach that younger audience? Yeah. I, I'm going to say, yeah. I don't know how much of a – I don't know if we make a massively – conscious effort to actually do that though i don't know if you know I, I always get that i'm always i'm weird like that so i'm like you know if we try yeah it may come off as it, it may seem uh, insincere like if we tried to like let's reach the millennials you know i don't know it, <laughs> yeah. it just seems yeah. like let's have a marketing plan i'm like no you know this is why we always fight with management and they're like we need to reboot i'm like reboot my ass man right. i'll put my boot in your ass you know it's like we need to revamp the image i'm like what are you talking about yeah. just don't you know that's something we've never really been good at so are we reaching the young kids i if we are great i mean and and i would love you know i'm happy for that i think that's a nice effect of you know, they're recognizing what we're doing. Are we making a conscious effort to do so? Uh, maybe not. I think we're just doing we're just doing what we're doing. And if they can, if if they're able to ride onto that, then that's that's good, good on us to be able to do that. Do you have any regrets? Uh, no, no, none, none. Um, wait, let me try to think. There's got to be <laughs> one in good. there somewhere. You know? <laughs> no, but that's good then. If, if everything yeah. has just kind of been a learning. Experience, yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everything's pretty good. I mean, my only problem, like anybody else, is probably money. I mean, I wish I had more, you know. If you had, uh, I mean, if if this, like, if we were doing like Madison Square Garden, whatever, and I was making big million dollars, right? Then okay, different. Um, then again, you know, I, I always think about that, and I know guys that do this, and you know, everything has cost, nothing is free in this world. So, the guys that Still play four or five nights a week. They make huge, you make a lot of money. Right. But they're playing four or five nights a week. They don't see their families. They're away. Yeah. They're home one week out of the month. I mean, you can't have a, you can't. I, would, I couldn't have a family like that. If I did, they would, yeah. they, would hate, they would hate me. I would probably be divorced, you know. So, yes, you can do it. But there is a cost to all of these things. And maybe I've found a way to minimize that I still so I still get to do what I want I can have my cake I get to eat it too a little yeah maybe but regrets I have a few then again <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we had to go there didn't we <laughs>
afraid you were going to break it to song on that one. <laughs> You're a whole different version. <laughs> so this is the kind of music they're playing nowadays. <laughs> what, would, oh. what would you say to guys your age or even the women, you know, our age who are listening and then yeah. seeing basically how you've attacked or how you've lived your life yeah. so far? You know, I, I think what, what I'm really fortunate for and what I'm, I think why I'm very lucky is I found my thing very, very early on. I mean, I knew it right away. I think that's it. You got to find your thing. However, whatever it is, I mean, I have music. That's, that's me. Um, it could be kiteboarding, man. It could be yoga. It could be tennis. It could be anything. Mm. But find that thing. Find that thing that if you were given like 10 billion dollars today that you would still do it every day that would be your thing i think because that would be like for me if you gave me 10 billion bucks today i would, I would i'm still going to my gig in luneta you know what i mean I, that's not going to change now i'll just play more you know but yeah find your thing how, now how how to do that that's that's hard that's that's the tricky part and i think this is where you need therapists and stuff can come and help you but honestly that's i think that's really it you know find that thing that that still makes you tingle inside or whatever nah. knocks dear so thank you very very much Thanks really for putting appreciate up with me, <laughs> thank you very much i really appreciate it oh, thank you very much.